Well, praise the Lord. This summer, uh, I'm really excited about this series, and it's a series that we're doing uh, kind of in preparation for our big launch, and um, just to get a flavor of the church and what we're about, and um, you know, we're to be about what Jesus was about, which is the Father's business. So that's why we're here. You're going to sit right up here so I can see you. My wife wasn't able to be here last week, so I'm really happy that she made it this week. <laughs> So, uh, how many people have heard of uh, T.L. Osborne? Have you you've heard of him? Do they teach him in Enrolmec school, any of his classes or anything? Okay. Well, uh, you know, he went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, and um, he's someone that uh, I very, very highly respect. Of course, most of you know that we um, were at the ministry with uh, Brother Hagen, and we're there until uh, he went home to be with the Lord. And that was a tremendous experience in my life. And he's my father in the faith, he and Pastor Mark Hankins. And, uh, but around the year 2005, it was actually the, I think, February of 2005, we, I'd heard of T.L. Osborne for years and years and years. And Brother Hagin would always talk very favorably and very highly of him. And in the United States, especially uh, in Tulsa, you didn't hear of him as much because he was an international minister and really spent most of his time uh, on foreign soil, foreign to the U.S. Uh, you know, to make a long story short, he and his wife Daisy in the, I think it was the 50s, they started out in ministry and they went to India to minister. And um, when they went there, they went there for a year, they kind of sold everything they had and they fell flat on their face and just completely failed. And they came back a failure and they were getting ready to uh, just quit the ministry, totally get out because, you know, they went and... They brought probably a Bible like this one and um, took the Bible and they started talking to Hindus and people of different religions in India and they said, you know, um, you know, this is the God that created everything. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, you should believe in this God. And they said, well, we have our God, you know, and, you know, he created everything. To make a long story short, they found that just taking the Bible and talking to people about the Bible was no competition, so to speak, for the other religions. They couldn't get anything through. And so uh, they came back really disappointed, really disheartened, because they uh, are people that minister from their heart, and they ministered as effectively as they could, gave everything that they had, and failed. When they came back, they heard a minister um, preaching that Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday, and... Um, you know, was a minister with a healing ministry, and he, they saw people get healed just like in the book of Acts, people change just like in the book of Acts, and that changed their whole outlook on life and ministry, and that really saved them from, from quitting the ministry. So once they did that, they went to a few other meetings, and they said, well, if he, he did that, then he'll do it now. So they put up some advertisement and said, you know, healing meeting, and back then people weren't just having these healing meetings all the time, and uh, put out faith and prayed for people, and people started to get healed. And... Uh, they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the Bible, specifically the New Testament, and we're going to read it like we've never read it before, like we've never heard it. Take all the filters off, everything else off, and we're going to look at it and read it. And so they did, and they started seeing, you know, of course, Jesus in every gospel and uh, the standard of Jesus in every gospel. So they set out and uh, had many, many years of wonderful miracle ministry, and very balanced individual, and he didn't hold just um, Pentecostal charismatic meetings. 
he held gospel meetings and he had, you know, almost every denomination you can think of there as well as Pentecostals and Charismatics. Uh, but he, he was very um, good at focusing on the gospel and not getting stuck with one group of people to where, you know, we Christians sometimes unfortunately can get kind of exclusive and this is our group, this is our group, this is our group. And um, he was able to not, to not do that and have many people, uh, denominations uh, and people that believed in Jesus, but, you know, some of the other beliefs that are different involved in his meetings. And one of the characteristics of his meetings is while he would preach the word, it was just like Jesus said, it would be signs and wonders followed. So he wasn't typical uh, healing minister that you might see where, you know, I say, anybody needs healing, come forward, and I'll lay hands on you type of thing, which is wonderful ministry that's not taking anything away. But uh, while he spoke the word, uh, people would be healed. And uh, I mentioned, I think it was, I don't know if it was last week or in our midweek meeting, in 1956, there was a guy that had leprosy in Thailand, and um, he ministered, and there were all of these people in the meeting, and uh, I think it was close to 100,000 people, and only like 10 or 12 came up afterwards to give a testimony. And he was, you know, in relating this, he said, you know, sometimes you're ministering, you don't realize how much is actually occurring, because he went back about 50 years later, had a meeting close to there, and this guy came up who you could see had scars on his skin but not a bit of leprosy and said, I was healed in your meeting 50 years ago. And so he was healed, but he didn't come up immediately and testify. And I remember traveling with Brother Hagen. We were at a meeting in um, California, Hayward, California, out close to uh, uh, San Francisco. And, um, you know, he went out and laid hands on people, ministered to him, And, you know, people fell out under the power of those type of things, but you didn't necessarily see in that particular meeting any like immediate people get out of wheelchair, those type of things. Man, if we didn't, after that meeting, we got testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony, week after week after week. And this one guy was a Rama graduate. He had his, brought his family to the meetings. And um, his dad had diabetes. And that's the only one I remember because it was most significant to me. The other ones had some physical issues. And they were all healed in the meeting. But we didn't know it as the team traveling with him. We didn't know it at that moment, and um, this is not my subject, but really if you look at uh, in the Bible, you know, there's, you know, 19 individual cases of healing that you can study, and, uh, you know, most of those uh, begin to recover. Some were instant, but most began to recover. So from that point, they just began to recover. And in our fast food society, sometimes if we don't see like, whoo, there it is, uh, we're like, well, it must not work. And you think how thin our faith must be. You know, I mean, I catch myself sometimes, I'm like, wow, you're a great man of faith, aren't you? You know, because not within five minutes, it didn't change. Uh, so, you know, our faith is based on the word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight, um, not by our feelings, not by what we hear, but we walk by faith. And in the long run, and most of the time, even in the short run, if you get in line with the word, it'll work and you'll see results. So if you're not seeing results, you need to go to the Lord and say, why am I not seeing results in this? But just because you don't have an instant, complete, uh, you know, if you're talking about healing, instant, complete manifestation, uh, you know, the leper uh, that Brother Osborne was healed in Brother Osborne's meeting, I think he's pretty happy to have not died of leprosy, even though he still has some scars from it. That's, that's pretty good. Um, and sounds a lot like the ministry of Jesus. So we were uh, on staff at Kenneth Hagin Ministries, and... Uh, I'd always heard about him, and he was having a seven-week uh, 
a Miracle Life seminar. I don't know, have, you, have any of you ever heard that seminar? Really good seminar. So a lot of what I'm going to teach over the next few weeks is from that seminar. But it is uh, very life-changing. And, you know, for years in witnessing to people, telling people about Jesus, it can be a very uh, intimidating thing to do. And you're kind of like, ah. But, uh, you know, the way, and he didn't really minister on doing that in that series, but in part of that series, I was really touched. And I started to um, talk to people a little differently when I would interact with them. And I would sit on the airplane next to him and just start talking. And a man was able to really minister to people because when you look at the condition of people, uh, it's pretty easy to reach out to them. And for us uh, that are born again, and everybody in here is, it's easy to forget what it was like. And you look and think, how could people be acting like that? How could they do that? Do they not know? Well, when you get Jesus, you get light. And you get revelation and you get understanding. And you really get so much that your whole worldview, your whole perspective shifts. And you're not really conscious of it. You just think differently. I know uh, there was a guy that Brother Hagin ministered to. And, you know, he was always into um, pornography and drinking and all of these type of things. And he got born again. You know, he's like, what am I going to do? I can't stop doing this. And he's like, Dad Hagin said, you need to get born again. So the guy got born again. And he didn't want those things anymore. He changed. So um, a lot of times, you know, people are trying to change themselves. And, um, you know, we can't change ourselves. Jesus can change us. You can be disciplined to an extent and you can um, subdue things. But you, we need to let Jesus Christ come in and make the change from the inside out. Otherwise, we're, we're dealing with something that we don't really have the power to do. So I want you to think today when I'm speaking I want you to uh, let your mind uh, ponder some things and let some things roll over inside of you. Uh, a lot of times we sit and it's more like a lecture and you're kind of, okay, that was a good talk and, you know, or a good service and uh, we don't let it go too much further. But uh, one of the things picked up a lot from Brother Osborne in those few weeks and one of the things I like is he said, you know, thinking is some of the hardest work you'll ever do. Think. And as Christians, a lot of times, uh, you know, we say like, well, you know, respond from your spirit. You know, don't, you know, don't use your mind. And actually in the 80s, they used to say, cut off your head. Not literally, but they would say like, stop using your head. Uh, but we have the mind of Christ. We should use it. And uh, so, yeah, we don't want to uh, approach the word of God with natural thinking. We don't want to approach the, the word of God with our reasoning or man's wisdom, as the Bible calls it. We want to use God's wisdom. But we can tap into his wisdom and his revelation, and we can get uh, insight that um, was locked up and not seen. So let's look at the end of uh, Luke, Luke chapter 24. We're going to go from Luke 24 to Acts. Of course, Luke is the author of um, the Gospel of Luke and also uh, the Acts of the Apostles. He wrote them both to uh, Theophilus, which was a, um, you know, it's believed he was uh, a ruler in the area. Um, and so uh, he, wrote, he wrote both of them to him. And Luke was a doctor, so he gave great detail, and you'll find greater detail in his uh, account of Jesus than you will, excuse me, in some of the other Gospels. So we'll read that, in, um, and then I'll ask you a couple questions. Let's start with verse 44, Luke 24, verse 44. 
and he, that's Jesus, said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you when I was yet with you, and all these things must be fulfilled, uh, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. See, right before this, he had um, just risen from the dead, and, uh, you know, he was walking with, uh, was it Caiaphas or one of the, one of the other, um, Cleopas, one of the other group that were with his disciples, and he was asking, what are you guys doing? And uh, they said, are you the only person in this whole area that doesn't know Jesus just died? You know, do you know who Jesus was? And so he said, oh, really? What do you believe about it? And so they said all that, and then, you know, he revealed himself to them. And so then this is right after that when he's talking with all of his disciples. And he said to him, these are the words I spoke to you when I was with you, and all these things needed to be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Uh, then he opened their understanding, and that's what I was talking about, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said to them, um, thus it's written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and raise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them, and it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried uh, up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Okay, let's turn to Acts chapter 1. And basically, we'll just pick up the exact uh, same thought. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 1, we'll do 1 through 8. Uh, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Spirit had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have uh, heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons the Father has put in his own power. And then he goes back to what he was originally saying. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Judea, Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Very familiar passages of Scripture. And it's really the transition from uh, the Gospels to the Acts. And I was reading this past week. You know, uh, people have tried to call uh, the, what my Bible calls the Acts of the Apostles so many different names. The Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Believers, all this. And um, I really like William Barclay. And he, he said, you know, uh, that it's the Acts of the Apostolic people. And I think that's a better way to think about it because apostolic people are people really that are just sent by God with a message. And so, in a sense, uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So every believer have an, has an apostolic call. Now, there's different levels of apostles. That's not the, the purpose of this. You know, the apostles of the Lamb, there's only 12 of those, you know, the original ones. Uh, we're not studying that <laughs> right now. Uh, but in a sense, we're all apostles because we are all sent. So one of the biggest mistakes we make in uh, Christianity is we kind of lump everybody all together and say like, okay, so the body of Christ is going to reach the world. Amen, I agree. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, I got my vacation planned for next week, and I've got, you know, to travel here and do this and do that. And next thing you know, like another year went by, and another year went by, and another year went by. So uh, it is true the body of Christ is going to reach the world, and then the end will come. Uh, but each of us are a member of the body of Christ. And we make a mistake if we just relegate it to it's the body of Christ. It's you and it's me. It's you and it's me. It's you and it's me. Uh, we have to make it personal. And that's when faith works. You know, you talk about faith. A lot of times we put, you know, yeah, I have faith about that. Well, faith is now. Faith is not in the future. Faith is present. What are you doing right now? And uh, it's the best to be honest with yourself. So let's talk about this for a second. What is Christianity? Think about that. So I did a, I looked up a couple things on the internet. It says Christian, uh, Christianity is a religion based upon the teachings and miracles of Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. The word Christ means the anointed one. Uh, therefore, what is Christianity is best answered by saying that it is a relationship with the true and living God through the person of Jesus Christ by whom we are forgiven of our sins and escape the righteous judgment of God. Part, I want to focus in on that particular definition, which was from an apologetic site, is it's based on the teachings and the miracles of Jesus. That's what Christianity uh, is. And then William Barclay, in one sense, it is the whole lesson of the book of Acts that the life of Jesus goes on in his church. The church continued where Jesus left off at his death. Therefore, I must belong to the church that carries out the life of Christ. The first sentence tells us how the church was empowered to carry out the work of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. And then he went, he went I want to throw this little nugget in there. He went on to say, you know, by the work of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, he's been described especially in America as the comforter so many times. And in scriptures, it says comforter. Uh, so, uh, Barclay, how many of you have read from William Barclay? So he was um, uh, in Glasgow, uh, Scotland. He was a minister, but before that he taught in a school, and then he pastored a church, and then he went and taught again. And he was always so thankful for having pastor because he said, you know, you never want to... Um, teach and not have it pastored people or been with people because you can just get all like theological and it's like you got to be down there where people are having troubles and living real life you know you're not just doing everything from the book anyhow he was a great scholar in uh, the Greek language so the word comforter is from the word uh, a Greek word fortis which means brave and one who fills men with courage and strength now think about the word comforter and your images when you think of comfort. I think of somebody at a funeral comforting somebody. And even the scripture, you know, that we comfort one another with the same comfort we've been comforted with. Very true. But comfort is, uh, has to do with being brave and the spirit of God that fills men with courage and with strength. The Holy Spirit, he's not a wimp. He's full of courage. He's full of strength. He's full of power. Uh, he's the one that enabled Jesus Christ to minister here on the earth. So he's the one that enables us to minister on the earth. And um, so it's important uh, to keep in mind when you're studying the word of God that uh, sometimes what we think things mean don't always mean that. Or there's a whole lot more oomph to it. And um, so he's the one that uh, fills men with courage and strength. So I wrote down a few things here. Uh, Christianity is not a duty. It's not I have to tell this because, it's not I have to do this because this is what I'm told to do. Christianity is something that is burning inside of us because of what has happened to us. 
And I like the story. Smith Wigglesworth was a plumber. And um, he was also a minister at the same time, uh, part of the time when he was a plumber. And he was plumbing at this lady's house, working in her bathroom. And she got uh, born again. And she was so excited. She came into the bathroom and like caught him in the bathroom. And he's like, it's just me and this lady in this little bathroom. And I work like, what do you want? And she said, she said, what do I do? Like, I've received Jesus. What am I supposed to do now? And he said, well, what do I have to do to keep it? And he said, well, the only thing you can do to keep it is give it away. That's how you keep it. And that's so true because a lot, of, a lot of times you can be born again and you're not giving it away. You're not, you know, taking out of what is in you and giving it out. And you can feel yourself start to dry up and shrivel up. And that's not a healthy thing. Uh, Jesus said, to whoever has, more will be given. But to who doesn't have will be taken away even what he does have. So there's a principle you can look at there in that um, you have to take what you're given and give it away. Other religions are, you know, people doing like service to God. And Christianity is God coming down to us. And people are trying to get themselves right and get themselves right. And Christianity says, no, don't even try because you can't really do it. I did it for you. Uh, but the thought is, what makes us any different than anybody else? And especially in, in uh, American society today, it's important to differentiate why is it any different. Because 20 years ago I was stationed here. I'm not that old. <laughs> but 20 years ago I was stationed here. And uh, there were questions like that. Yeah. There's questions like that today. And uh, most people have that thought that are not Christian. You know, you guys just think you're better, you know. And um, we know the truth, and we're to uh, present the truth. And, you know, I'll jump ahead a little bit. The reality is Christianity is the only religion with the miraculous to back it up. All the way from when you're born again, uh, you may not have had some crippling disease or something that you can outwardly see this big change in your body. But think of the love of God. The Bible says the love of God has been like poured out full in your hearts. And they'll know we're Christians because of our love. And we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brother. Uh, the love of God is a miracle. And you cannot separate true Christianity from the miraculous. And God will back up his word. When we speak his word, the miraculous will happen. So that's one of the big things that sets us apart. Uh, Christianity is not one of my favorite ones. Christianity is not a group of weak-minded individuals being taken advantage of. Christianity is actually for people that um, have received him and then become strong. Mm-hmm. And then uh, become a force uh, that the devil and the world has to contend with if we know who we are. Uh, it's not an opportunity to judge. Christianity is not an opportunity to judge. It's really an opportunity to love. It's not wish fulfillment. A lot of times people say it's wish fulfillment. I think Freud said that, and a lot of people just took what he said and went off with it and said, you know, oh, it's just people like, you know, I can't cope with my life, so I'm gravitating towards this. That's not what Christianity is. It's not just some philosophy or some club that we've all decided we want to be a part of so we can escape the world. It's so that we have power to reach the world and stop what the devil's trying to do. And, um, you know, 
like Reinhard Bonnke said, you know, seeing heaven empty and hell, hell empty and heaven yeah, yeah. full. <laughs> awesome. It's not a psychological projection. Um, it does not set you up as better than someone else. It's not self-focused. It's not self-sufficient. It's, it's sufficiency is in Christ. It doesn't say, look at me. It says, look at Christ. Um, it's not a self-centered message. It's the life and love of the Father for his children. Uh, it reaches down to the lowest and brings them up. Uh, it changes everything, really. It's an invitation to an unlimited life. Uh, it's life itself, abundant life. It's hope. It's faith. It's light, it's truth, it's a miracle. Christ is alive in me and through me. It's overcoming power. Um, when we finish with this study, we're going to be more aware, more stirred up, and changed. We'll be different. And we'll have a different outlook on life. And it really, it really does empower you to be who you've been called to be. And one of the things I, I liked about Brother Asmer so much as he was very humble and he always drew your attention to Jesus Christ. Always pointed you to Jesus. And that, that's something you should look for in any ministry that you are uh, around is that attention is drawn to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus said, if I be glorified, lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And we want to draw all men to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, you know, we have been sent here uh, to Washington, D.C. metro area to plant uh, life-giving Holy Ghost Word of Faith Church, yeah. and um, that demonstrates the power of God, but not just the power of God, the love of God. Yeah. And um, Pentecost uh, is power, and the cross is love. Yeah. And so you can't have, you know, I mentioned it the other day, you, uh, Hitler had power without love. Yeah. Mussolini had power without love. A lot of people have power without love. People believe what that believe what we believe who haven't spent much time or met Jesus at the cross can be brutal. Preachers can be brutal and cruel if we don't have love. Christians can be brutal and cruel if we don't have love. That's why some of those things uh, that I had on the list there I had because um, it's important, you know, as Word of Faith, Charismatic, early 70s, it's kind of getting older now. Not that it's passing away, but it's been around long enough that uh, we have our own uh, religious things that we do that we don't even realize that we do. <laughs> and um, Christ didn't come uh, to give us religion. He came to give us life. Yeah. So uh, my question for you is, do you want to be part of something bigger? Do you want to make a difference? Um, do you want to impact, have an impact on your generation and the upcoming generation? Uh, do you want to help change the focus of people's lives? To bring sight to the blind. I don't just mean that in a physical sense, but I mean it in a physical sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To be a voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. Remember John the Baptist did that before Jesus came the first time. You know, Jesus is coming, and he's coming very soon. Mm -hmm. A little side journey. Because I haven't come a little side journey. It's interesting to me that when people have visions of Jesus and they go see Jesus, if you notice... I haven't like, done an extensive study of them, so this is just like my noticing. It seems like Jesus says to all of them, somewhere in the vision, he'll say, tell them I'm coming soon. Mm -hmm. And when I hear people relate their vision, I've heard maybe one kind of emphasize that, but most people don't. And in one vision, Jesus said to them, tell them I'm coming soon. 
okay, well, you know, they know that. He's like, no, they don't know that. They don't know that. Tell them I'm coming soon. And so ever since I started hearing people, because I grew up denominational, didn't know Jesus still appears to people today, that the Bible's still the same as it was. I didn't have that understanding. And, uh, but ever since I started hearing people relate these stories, well-known people that you would all know, uh, I noticed that Jesus always said, tell them I'm coming soon. And then not a lot of people emphasize, he's coming soon. <laughs> uh, but we're here, uh, and I want to be, and I want our church to be a voice like one crying in the wilderness. Yeah. Because if you look at the, the state of this area, but the whole United States, and honestly in a lot of places of the world, there is a lot of revival going on in Africa. Uh, but it's like a wilderness, a spiritual, it's becoming like a spiritual wilderness. That, that's the devil's intent. Um, but uh, you know what? I can't do that as long as we're around mm-hmm. believers that will that will stand and say, no, we're not going to have this. We're going to usher in um, an awakening and a, a move of God. Mm-hmm. Just do you want to say real life has come? Have you heard? Do you know? Is it yours? Um, we want to minister a life that's full and infused with hope. And our connection to do that is Christ. So be the difference. In Christ you are the difference. When you uh, take his place and continue his work with the power of the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit, we're empowered by him. If you're not content content with the condition of the world and the direction things are going, be a part of the change. We're not content to stand by and watch it all go to hell. And watch all that's been bought and paid for uh, be stolen uh, by short-sighted, self-centered people that don't know Jesus. Know, and people that don't know Jesus, honestly, some people that do, are influenced by the devil, and we think, why is that person so evil? It's really an evil behind the person. Uh, it's not the person. They just don't know, or they've been really hurt, and so that's their reaction to life. And uh, we want to bring uh, hope and peace. Jesus was the Prince of Peace, the one who ushered in peace. And um, everything that he did, he showed us what to do. He showed us how to do it. And then he gave us power to do it, the Holy Spirit, his spirit. So he came, you've got the the old covenant, and then you have Jesus Christ, and then you have um, the acts of the apostles and the epistles. A lot of times we look at, okay, we're we're under the new covenant, under the New Testament. True enough, but you know, I think about 95% of the gospels are all old covenant ministry. It's Jesus ministering, fulfilling the old. Yeah. And then getting ready to consummate the new. And like like uh, William Barclay said, the church, that's us. We're really just to continue the ministry that Jesus started, that he began. Yeah. He began, he showed us how to do it, and he said, now here, I'm giving you all the tools you need. You know, the spirit of God, the same anointing, the same rapport with God. The same relationship with God as I have, I'm giving it to you. So it's much better for you that I go away because if I don't go, he can't come. But if I go, he can come. And if he can come, then I can be in you and you and you and you and you and you and you. Because remember, when Christ was on the earth, he didn't minister as God. He ministered as a man anointed of God. We learn that he laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as man, as mere man, the Greek literally said. So when he came to earth to minister, that's why you don't read stories in the Gospels that Jesus healed a bird when he was five years old. You know, that Jesus healed the donkey who broke, who broke its leg when he was 15. 
No, when the Holy Spirit descended on him after he was baptized in the River Jordan, that was the beginning of miracles that he did. It said the next miracle was at the feast, uh, uh, the, the wedding, uh, turning the water into wine. That was the beginning of his miracle life. And so it's the same thing with us. What did Jesus say? I mean, he, we read it in Luke and then in Acts. He said it twice. Uh, wait, go to the city of Jerusalem. Wait till you be endued with power, till you be filled with power, till power comes upon you, till power comes in you, so that you can minister uh, effectively. And a lot of times what we do is we step out and minister without that, like T.L. and Daisy did. And those are the kind of results we get. And uh, sometimes people, uh, I don't want to uh, make it sound bad on anybody, but uh, T.L. and Daisy were honest enough to say, you know what, if this is what it is, I'm not about this. You know, and I, you know, I've told my wife, I don't know how many times she probably gets tired of hearing me say it. You know, if we're not ministering with the power of God and the anointing of God, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't have anything personally to give to anybody. I mean, I like people, but when I'm not full of the spirit and the word of God, I could be a jerk. You can ask my wife. I'm sure, I'm sure she could testify. But with God, it changes who I am. You know, the Holy Spirit will change your personality. God in you will change your personality. And you may not be an outgoing person. You may be an introvert. That's me. Uh, but the Holy Spirit will make you an extrovert. Because uh, what you have, what you really believe, that's what you're doing. So um, there was a statement I read to Melody yesterday. It was kind of cutting. I didn't like it. Uh, but it was good. Which was, you know, if we're not out telling people about Jesus, is it maybe because we really don't believe? Because you're telling people what you believe every day. You know, whether it's what you heard on the news or your favorite tech gadget or I don't know what ladies talk about, but <laughs> your children. I, I know my wife talks about our children a lot. Uh, you're really, and, you, and I am too, we're talking about what we believe. It's coming out of our mouth. And so uh, what I want us to do in, in this session is, uh, this group of sessions, is to get refired and rekindled. And if you're already fired and kindled, is to let the flame burn hotter and burn brighter. And I'm not talking about uh, being weird and awkward. I'm talking about in a very natural, everyday life sort of way, letting Christ speak through you and use you to tell somebody else, you know what, that situation that you're in, is that overwhelms me to think about it. I cannot imagine going through that situation. But you know, I had a situation um, not nearly as bad as that in my life, but I didn't know what to do. And for me, it was a huge deal. And the only way I got through it was to turn to Jesus. And he, he's alive today, as alive as he ever was. And he'll do today exactly what he did then. And, you know, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to, um, you know, minister to you if you'd let me. And uh, you know what's interesting is, especially if you're ministering to a non-believer, you can really put a demand on the power of God and the anointing of God and you pray for someone, ask God to show up and show himself real to them and he will. He will show up and he will show out. And if you look at the apostles, Paul, I mean, Paul's amazing, but what's the biggest thing he asked for prayer for? Boldness. Give me boldness. 
that I may boldly speak, that I may declare. And then the church, when they were so persecuted, and some, not like they were then, but in some form in America, the church is beginning to be more persecuted. They prayed that the Lord would stretch forth his hand to heal, that boldness would be given, that signs and wonders would be done by the name of Jesus Christ. So boldness is a, is a really good prayer to pray for yourselves, to pray for other believers, to pray for the church in general. And, um, um, you know, I think, uh, I was thinking this morning of uh, Iwo Jima, the Battle of Iwo Jima. And, um, you know, they went and that was uh, the first uh, actual land owned by the Japanese uh, that we were able to capture and get. And think of the Iwo Jima Memorial where it's the statue of the guys, the Marines, and a few Army people, put, or Navy people putting up the flag. Uh, such an iconic issue, uh, uh, picture. And I think it's been, um, they said, uh, reproduced more than any other photograph ever. Uh, so it was an amazing thing that this guy captured. The guy that captured it, he actually was, didn't realize they were going to start raising the flag then. He had set it set his camera down and was getting ready to set something else up and he saw it and he grabbed his camera and he just picked it up and snapped it without even looking through the viewfinder and that's the picture he got. So it was a really cool story and I learned that that's actually the second flag that they rose. They rose a different flag first, a smaller flag. They put it up and um, I think it was the Secretary of Defense was there and he got there and he said, I want that flag. And the colonel that was in charge got so mad you know, you can't take that flag, it's our flag. He's, and so he said, well, before we get it, go out, get another flag, make it bigger. So they got a bigger flag. And I, I kind of picture it like that uh, in America, is that, you know, let's put a stake down and let's start to raise the flag of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Let's not put a small flag, let's put a big flag and declare that we're not going to allow uh, our nation to go down the tubes. We're not going to allow our neighborhoods to go down the tubes. Our kids, uh, especially our kids. Um, and we're going to stand up and say no. Not on our watch. Christianity is not a, a wimpy religion. It's not for wimps. It's for those who stand up and say no. I'm not going with the flow. I'm going to go with Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand against the flow. Um, people have just been misguided and they've listened to the wrong voices. Uh, the Bible says that there's many voices in the world and none are, none are without significance. And so I found myself listening to the wrong voices before. I'm not talking like audible voices. It could be audible voices, but, you know, you've got these influences, these different things, and the crowd's going this way, and uh, all of a sudden you find yourself going with the crowd, and uh, you kind of, whoa, that, that's not biblical at all. What is that? And it's really because, uh, you know, it's an indictment on the church, the state of America. It's an indictment on the church of America, and it's an indictment on the pastors in America and the people, uh, Christians in America. And that's not fun to say, and it's not fun to think. But what's fun to say and fun to think is we just have to do what the Lord tells us to do, and live his life and complete the ministry that Jesus began. He came, he started, he showed us how to do it, and he gave us the uh, tools and equipment to do it with, and we just continue what he began. So as we continue next week, we'll look at uh, him as our model, and then um, uh, the inspiration of the gospel, and then our response to the gospel, uh, our action as his delegates, the credibility of the gospel, the legality of the gospel, and the experience of his energy.
So it's a, it's a, um, really a life-changing study, and um, it's, it's super exciting. You know, we don't want to say like it's a life-changing study because every sermon that everybody preaches, everybody says it's a life-changing study. <laughs> so you kind of gloss over. But what's what's um, important is that as you hear these things, as I hear these things, even though I'm the one ministering them, I'm making a decision. You're making a decision. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to let it affect my life? Am I, I going to let it change my life? Uh, how am I going to live any differently? And um, do you remember that quote I read to you yesterday? I think I've got it in my notes. I want to read you guys one quote, and then we'll close in prayer. I, it came up like three times while I was preaching, so I better, I better say it. Oh, that's okay. Okay, so there was uh, an old Methodist minister named Harry Denman, and um, he was talking to T.L. Osborne, and he was so old that he was at his desk, and he leaned over, and T.L. Osborne said it was more like a, a, a growl when he talked than anything else. But here's what he said. He said, can you tell me one thing Jesus Christ can do in your community without a body to do it in? And I just thought that is a, such a powerful statement. So think about that. Tell me one thing Jesus Christ could do here in our community without a body to do it in. And, um, uh, you know, it's easy to pray and send angels to go do things that we're supposed to do. It's easy to say someone else will do it, and that's what I was talking about with um, the body of Christ as a whole. Yes, the body of Christ as a whole, but what are we doing? Everybody wants a revival to break out and a revival to start. I've found and I've also heard it taught, but I've found definitely personally that the way to have revival is just have one yourself. Let yourself get fired up. Let yourself get excited. Let the realities of the Word of God sink in on you. And I would suggest to do uh, uh, what Brother Osborne did, and that is read your Bible, especially the New Testament, like it's brand new, like you've never heard it before. Uh, let those things sink in and then, and then stay, whoa. Is that happening in my life? You know, is that happening in my church? How is that? What's the reality of that today? Because um, there's no difference. The gospel, um, gospels of Jesus Christ lead us into the acts of the apostles. And we look at the acts of the apostles. There's no like, it doesn't say the end, because we're part of that same church. So we should have that same, um, those same manifestations, the same things happening today as what happened then. No different. And actually, we should probably have more because the former, uh, the latter is greater than the former. And, uh, you know, I believe the best days of the church are still ahead. And um, I believe, you know, we have a great opportunity for the best days of our country to still be ahead. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, wow, we love you so much. We thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that you've given us your word, uh, that you didn't... Uh, Leave us out wandering and aimless, but you gave us something solid that we can stand on, that we can um, judge ministries by, that we can figure out what you're doing in the earth today. 
But Father, thank you that you didn't just give us words written on a piece of paper that are dead, but you made them alive by your spirit. Father, we thank you that you've recreated us uh, brand new on the inside, that the greater one, greater than anything uh, the world could bring or the devil could bring, uh, lives in us. Father, I pray that you'd help uh, each and every one of us to allow your spirit to minister not only to us, but to minister through us, to be a source, a fountain of life that we can spread to each and every person we come in contact with, to our coworkers, to those that uh, we interact with on a day-to-day basis, Father God. We ask that you give a, each one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, flooded with light, that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd strengthen uh, each of us in our inner man according to your riches and glory by Jesus Christ. I pray that your love, the love of Christ, would abound in us more and more. Father, in knowledge and in all judgment, that we may approve things that are excellent, that we may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for calling us to uh, plant this church. We thank you for making us a part of this church. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to reach people for you. And Father, we just uh, plead the blood of Jesus over each and every person that you've called our church to reach. Father, wherever they're at right now, today, that uh, you would protect them, that you would shield them, that you would draw them uh, by your spirit to your son, that they would see the truth and not believe a lie. Father, we pray that you'll give us all words to speak, that you'll give us boldness to speak them. Father, that you'll anoint our lips and our pathway. And Father, we thank you for your great favor, your great grace, and we're just so thankful and so grateful to be a part of what you're doing in the earth today. In Jesus' name, amen.